0: Before I start today's podcast, I just want to give a big shout out to American Pilot Academy here in Fort Worth, Texas. The whole team over at APA has been incredibly helpful and supportive in my journey to become an aviator. From Hugh to Dina to the schedulers, support staff, and all the aircraft, I just want to say thank you for making my pilot training a pleasant experience. If you all want to learn more about American Pilot Academy and their team, check them out at AmericanPilotAcademy.com. You can also check them out on Facebook at American Pilot Academy, or you can head over to their Instagram and show them some love at American Pilot Academy and see how their whole team can help you realize your dream of becoming one of the next FAA certified private pilots. Now on to today's episode. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Av Geeks Chronicles. I am your host, Colin, Chief Av Geek, Aviation Maniac, whatever you want to call me, here on Av Geeks Chronicles. Well, guys, today's a super special episode uh, because this past Sunday, if you've been following me over on social media, I passed my FAA private pilot checkride, and yes, that means watch out because Colin is now a private pilot and can roam the skies of the U.S., but first, uh, guys out there, I just wanted to apologize for not releasing an episode in a while. You know, life gets busy, and for the last few months, my life has pretty much been work, eat study fly spend some time with the wife and with that things have gotten busy and I decided to put a small pause on the podcast while I finished up my license and kind of you know refocused on some other stuff. Uh, But now that I'm done, I'm ready to rev the podcast back up and create this great platform to introduce uh, folks and the younger generation to the world of general aviation through the eyes of a millennial who is going through it and experience it day by day and all the great things that you can experience as an aviator. So with that, you know what has been going on since the last episode, which was released a while ago. Well, I can tell you a lot. We'll uh, we'll start out, of course, with of course the completion of my training and passing my check ride. But there's a whole long backstory, and uh, trying to fill you guys in on what actually has been going on. So before I could get to the day that I was handed that piece of paper saying, you are a FAA private pilot, uh, I had to complete all my flight and ground requirements, which took up a lot of time. And when I mean a lot of time, I mean a lot. I then took up the uh, the FAA written exam, which I passed the first time, and that was a big, you know, that was really a big milestone for me, and that's like, you know... Colin, it's coming close. You're almost done. Um, great milestone On to the next one. Like, let's get this done. Um, that test is really a written culmination of all the important pieces you should have learned or will learn during your training. And it's all important information as you go along, uh, through your aviation career. It's, you know, it is, it is the knowledge you have to have in order to aviate safely across, you know, really the globe. Um, I took my written later than most folks because I wanted to finish most of my training before you know I took it. Uh, for me, I'm a better experiential learner, and I feel that really helped me a lot. So I could pass that test the first time. You know, some people say, "Hey, get it done before you even start training." So you go to a class, a three day course, you spend eight hours each day doing it, and you memorize all this stuff. And then you go take the test. Well, for me, that's not how I learn best. That's not how, you know, I like to do things. So I kept it to the tail end. Um, and I'm really glad I did that way. But that's me. That's not how, you know, other people do it. That's just how I do it and how I learn best. Uh, and I'm glad I am glad I did it that way. Um, so not all would agree with me in doing that. Uh, but that's the way that worked best for me. So after the test, it was a full week of prep for my check ride, and I pretty much flew every single day up until my first check ride. So I took, uh, took the test. I want to say on like a Thursday, and then I basically had a week to prep for uh, my check ride. Then I got to check ride day, and. Not gonna lie, I was pretty, pretty nervous. And to be honest with you all, I don't really get nervous about many things. Uh, your first check checkride can bring out some nerves in you, but you have to learn how to control them. Um, and I tried to do that best, but you know, still nerves, uh, they come out. I made it out of the oral, um, I passed that, and then it was on to the actual check ride itself, you know, the funniest thing was, you know, now that, the look back at my oral and how it went, the uh, The DPE that I had, you know, he was this old 80-year-old guy, um, kind of grumpy, but, you know, hey, he's a really experienced aviator, so, you know, I, I just got to get it done with him, uh, but he told me, he goes, you marginally passed, your oral, and I'm kind of thinking to myself. I'm like, really? I marginally passed my oral, you know. And then I tell the story to other people after I finish, and you know, lo and behold, they're all like, "Ah, oh, he was probably trying to get under your skin, you know, worry you a little bit for the, you know, the check ride, and uh, you know, really putting your putting you on your toes." But you know, oral went good, past that, and now it was on to the actual check ride itself. Overall, the first check ride. Did not go as planned you know I thought I was confident I thought I knew what I you know knew and had confidence in everything uh, that I was going to be tested on Uh, but you know the nerves kind of showed everything was really going well in that check ride until we got to the steep turns maneuver and that's where it pretty much ended I executed the actual turn pretty much spot on Uh, I did it great But unfortunately, I forgot one pretty important detail that I forgot, and that was I did not clear uh, my turn, which was pretty much one of the most important pieces uh, of that maneuver. You know, you want to make sure when you're doing a maneuver like a steep 360 turn that your airspace is clear. And when you come back around 360, you're not just going to run into somebody. Um, And unfortunately, I did not clear that. He did not like that. Um, And I got a pretty serious mark uh, on that. To add, I also didn't enter into my turnaround a point correctly. I entered it upwind instead of downwind, and you know, as you go through training, the book tells you to do it downwind. So when you make your first turn, it's going to be your fastest speed. Unfortunately, I did it the opposite, and of course, he did not like that. Um, but thankfully, we got through most of the check ride before I caused myself to get my disapproval. So once we got back on the ground, I was handed my disapproval and then I had to go back and practice and really hone what I had missed for the next check ride. Because if you guys don't understand, check rides, they cost a lot of money. Um, And unfortunately, if you're going to go take a second one, you can't just take it the next day. You know, you have to go practice your, 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 your instructor needs to make sure that you're doing everything good and you have to go over it one more time and then you go back. To be honest, it really sucked not passing my check ride, but I know I'm not the only one that's had to go back and retake it. I know there's plenty of aviators out there in the world, probably some really, really good ones that also did not pass their first check ride. You know, you put in all that work. And for me, that was, that was seven months and then you get your disapproval. But if your dream is to really become a pilot or your dream is to really, really do something you have to get back in the saddle, shore up your skills, and go out there and ace it the next time. And for me, that was my next check ride. Fortunately, I was able—I uh, was able to schedule it uh, two weeks after my original check ride, and we'll uh, we'll go into a little bit more. But to add to the unfortunate events of that day, the DPE or designated pilot examiner uh, who uh, administers your FAA check ride told me he would not be able to fit me in for a check ride until mid-August. That means I would go almost two months, two months, without being able to fly again um, or get another check ride. And I was like, no, that's not happening. I can't do that. I'm not going to sit here and let my skills go to waste. Um, no, I, I, I want to take it as soon as possible. And unfortunately, he was going on vacation. He was having none of it. Um, and so we found a new DPE. Um... And we, you know, we just had to uh, we had to move on. So I had two options: I could either wait to retake the check ride with the same DPE, or I could find a new B- DPE, uh, but risk having to redo more than just the items uh, he docked me on. Because technically, if you go with a new DPE, uh, if you get a disapproval or you fail your first check ride, but you risk having to redo things that you already did, because technically that DPE can retest you on anything he really wants to now doesn't mean he will probably not because he he knows that you what you did last time he wants to go quickly um, and he knows that you want to become a pilot um, but you just never know the type of dpe um, that you will get So after I found a new DPE, I started asking around about opinions of him. Uh, What is he like? How old is he? You know, does anybody have experience? Uh, And I started collecting that data. And in the end, I decided to go against my instructor's word because originally he wanted me to wait and recheck with that same DPE, which was going to have to cause me to wait almost two months in order to do it again. That means I'd have to rent airplanes more, I'd have to fly more, which in the end is not a bad thing, but I knew I was confident in the skills that I had and I wanted to get it done now. And instead of spending all that money to invest in practicing while still being a student, I wanted to be able to invest that money in practice as a private pilot. So... I went against the word and I quickly scheduled another check ride, uh, to get it done instead of waiting longer. That's what my gut told me. Um, and thankfully my gamble paid off. Everything went great. The second time around, I finished off the items that I had made mistakes on and I did it, you know, with him, with the second DPE in less than an hour. And then next thing I know I was an FAA private pilot. It was an amazing feeling. I got it done. You know, I went with my gut, I stuck with the decision that I made and I just did it and I was confident and that's what made it so great. What also, you know, was so great about this check ride process was the amount of support that I got after the first time I got that disapproval or I failed. I was pretty down on myself personally, but I got a lot of support along the lines of, hey, you got this next check ride, don't kill it. You know, when I posted about failing my first check right over on Twitter and social media, uh, social media, like Instagram, I had a lot of people DM me over there on Instagram and they were all super encouraging. I mean, that's one of the great things that I have found in aviation is that there are so many encouraging people because we're all doing the same thing and we're all trying to promote this industry that we love. I mean, it's less than one percent of the U.S. population is a pilot. And so, we really want to grow this community, and there's a lot of supportive people. Now, there's a lot of not supportive people too, but I love the supportive and encouraging people that I have found so far in aviation. I mean, heck, I even got a few responses from folks in Canada, which was crazy because my posts were getting out there to Canada, which was really, really cool. Um, but I thought the most interesting and eye opening response that I received in my DM inbox. Was from a U.S. military military helicopter pilot, and he told me he goes. Uh, actually, if I can find it, yeah, here it goes. He said, "You would be surprised how many military pilots fail their first primary check ride. They get a couple of hours in the aircraft to retain uh, to retrain, and then they come back a couple of days later and they get it done. You got this, man." After that, I was like maybe I shouldn't be so hard on myself and then just go back out there and make sure I'm prepped for the next one. That's exactly what I did the second time around. I prepped with my instructor about two more flights, finished the review, and then went out there and completed it. And I was confident about it. This check, uh, the second check ride didn't, I mean, like I said, didn't even leave, even last an hour. I mean, it was that quick. You know, funny thing was, is after I finished, I got my paper, I'm on the way home and I text my wife. I said, I did not pass. She gives me a call back and she, she says, so you didn't pass kind of in like a side voice. And I said, no, I'm just kidding. You didn't get all my other texts. I passed. I passed. She goes, Oh no, you freaked me out. You know, I was about to tell you, maybe you should rethink this whole, <laughs> this whole pilot. Thing. I said, no, 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 no. I finished it. Don't say that. Uh, but I was super excited. She was super excited for me. Um, And that was great. Um, I knew I was not going to fail the second time around. Um, The second DP, he was a great, he was a younger guy, probably early early 50s. Uh, He had a lot of experience with the airlines. I believe he flew. He flew for American Airlines. He was a 767 pilot um, at American. He was a great guy. And after I passed and he gave me everything, processed all my paperwork, it was really great to pick his brain about literally all the aviation topics that I could uh, think of while we were sitting in the room. But through this whole experience, you know, I learned that you don't need to be perfect and you're going to have bad days. Let me repeat that. I learned you don't need to be perfect and you're going to have bad days. Luckily in life we get second chances to go back out there you know and kill it. It's all about sticking with your dreams, coming back and finishing things off. I mean it's it's that simple. You know it's the people that don't make it are the ones that don't try, try, try again. You know try till you fail. But you know really, if, as long as you keep trying, you're not failing. You're just you're you know you're you're working at getting to the end. But, you know. Through it all, I had to give up quite a bit too. You know, this process took me seven months. Um, I had to give up time, you know, really good personal time with my wife because my weekends were spent flying, my nights were spent studying or uh, going through my online ground school. Um, so we didn't get all the quality time over that seven months that you know she probably would have liked and I would have liked too. I didn't really see too many friends at all, you know, because my weekends were filled with flying and I wasn't going to go out. I wasn't going to stay up late. You know, I had to be prepped for my flights. I didn't travel. Um, I, in, I invested heavily, not just time, but uh, money in this license. And I didn't really do anything what people would consider, you know, going out and having fun. Um, why, you may ask, you know, can't you feel I mean, yeah, you could have. But I was determined to finish off this license. I was determined to, to reach my goal as a pilot. If you want something really bad enough, you'll do anything uh, to make your dream become a reality and you're not going to let anyone uh, keep you from doing it. Um, I mean, that's, that's really the simple piece to it. If you want something badly, you have to put in the work to get it. So when I look back on this experience, you know, Anytime time you do something and you go through a long process or you experience something, there are always key lessons that can be learned. I found that going through this process, I learned a lot about myself. Um, and to be honest, I physically watched myself grow because becoming a pilot, you realize that your decision making starts changing. Um, I mean, your own life is kind of in your own hands when you fly. Because these decisions could really mean, you know, whether you make it back safely or you don't make it back at all. I mean, that's how big these decisions are. You could decide to go out one day and it's perfect, but you push the limit too much and you don't get to come back. And those are the the decisions that my instructor really, really pushed on me that you need to learn. You need to start making better decisions uh, because, you know, your decisions are going to have a profound effect on you here in the aviation world. Um so I started I really you know saw myself starting making better decisions and I noticed my frustration levels going down when things weren't going my way. Um in aviation sometimes things just happen. Sometimes you have mechanical failures, sometimes you have weather issues. Uh sometimes your plane gets booked because some guy at the the scheduling center forgot to put your name down when you reminded them twice. I mean things happen, you can't get mad. It's aviation you wish sometimes things could go the other way but if you're going to get hung up on it you're never going to let it go and you're always going to be pissed off so let it go and move on you know one of my close mentors uh of me he asked me after I was done with this process he asked what is the biggest lesson that you learned from getting your pilot's license you know every experience you should be able to take one huge lesson that you think will help you um in life and I replied with one simple word. I said patience. I said patience was the number 1 thing I learned through this all. You know, in today's world, people want things so fast. They want to make a quick buck. They want to lose weight yesterday. They want to become successful tomorrow. They want to live their dream world now. But unfortunately, most lack the patience and worth at work ethic to actually get what they want, I mean, this isn't, it's not overnight, and I learned that really the hard way, I thought something was going to take me two months, it took me almost, you know, this could have taken eight months for all I know, um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, this this was something that I thought I was going to be able to do two or three months. I heard the stories of people doing it in a month. I'm like, eh, okay, I got a full time job. You know, I got a house, I got to take care of stuff, you know, work Ah, two to three months is good. Wrong. Try seven months. Um, but fast forward those seven months later and now I'm getting my license. I mean, it feels great, but it was a long process, but I was able to learn a hell of a lot. Um, But because I had a job, you know, because I'm married to my beautiful wife uh, and I have marital duties because I have other responsibilities that need to be taken care of. um, I quickly realized that if I wanted to do this, if I wanted to reach my dream of becoming a pilot, I needed to go through this process and be patient. I could not rush it because in aviation, if you rush stuff, you're you're putting your own life uh, in harm's way. And if you're flying with people and you're rushing you're putting their lives in harm's way too. That is not a good combination whatsoever. So I had to go through this process and be patient. Through these seven months, you know, I had weather issues. I had mechanical issues. I had scheduling issues. I had all about the issues uh, that you could think of uh, that could keep somebody flying as much as they wanted to. You know, Texas, weather's decent and usually you can fly whenever you want to, but unfortunately I wasn't able to. So quickly, I realized that in aviation, uh, you know, you have to roll with the punches and you have to take what's given to you. And for the vast majority of us out there, that means being patient about the process and take those milestones as fast as you can, when you can. But do not rush yourself because that's where mistakes are going to happen. Now, don't get me wrong. There are folks out there that can get a PPL in a month because I know you can. You can. I mean, if you go to Arizona, you know, you can, where it's just sunny all the time and hot, you could probably get it done in a month if you really wanted to. Um, but unfortunately, you know, I have a full time job. Um, and when you live in a place like Texas, that can throw crazy weather at you and winds at you, the likelihood is that it's going to take you a while, and that's okay. It's not a bad thing, you know. By going through the process the right way, you're ensuring your safety, your instructor safety, the plane's safety, uh, and you're ensuring your own life is, you know, you know, you're making positive uh, decisions for uh, your life here in aviation. So. After I finished my PPL, you know, there was this individual that sent me a DM over Instagram and said to me, I don't mean to be rude or anything. I'm just starting my PPL and was wondering why it took you seven months to complete it. I kind of was like, oh, this is a fun one to answer. Uh, But I was going to answer truthfully. And so I did. I said to him, I said, hey, no problem at all. I 100% understand where you're coming from. And there's no offense taken, really. I said, fortunately, I'm not getting a PPL for a job, so time wasn't really of the essence for me. I could be patient. I had the ability to be patient, and I also have a full-time job that took a good chunk of my day up. And to add, I also lost two aircraft that I was using because the owner decided to sell them. Uh, I was using uh, two aircraft from a private guy that no one was scheduled on, so I could fly pretty much when and where I wanted to. Um, with that, I then had to move over to a flight school and use their aircraft. So then I had to fit into their schedule and their schedule was already packed. Um, but also, folks kind of forget that getting your PPL is a huge investment. So being able to spread that cost over time uh, was another factor for me. Some people pay for it up front. Um, you know, everybody has a different situation. So I did it over time, which is OK. And I told them that. And then I said, if you want to get your pilot's license as quick as possible, you can get it done in a month if you want to. Because it's been done before. There's people that's done it. But you better expect to spend every day doing nothing but flying and studying. And I said that to his message and I sent it to him. And then I followed it up. I told him, I said, folks who got it done in a month are no better than the ones who it took a year to get. I mean, I have a very good sales friend of mine um, in the rotorcraft industry. And he's going on like eight months, I think now. And it's just, he's busy. He's got work. He's got a family. Um, But I told him, I said, hey, at the end, it's the best feeling in the world. And we're all pilots. You're no different if you got it done in a month. And you're no different if you got it done um, in a year. And, you know, I was kind of finishing up with them and I also told them, I said, Texas weather also made it difficult right at the start because when you train, your instructor is going to put wind minimums on you until you can show competency flying in turbulent and gusty weather. And having a 15, 20 knot wind days, you know, with potential gusts, which is kind of standard here or what it seems, um, is kind of just an average aviation day. And once I took the time to reply back to him thoughtfully and in length, he actually, I was really surprised by his reply. He said, Holy cow, thanks for all this information. I've been saving up for the last four years now, and I'm going to try and get my PPL before September. I simply said, That's an amazing goal. Try to schedule as much as possible then. It's easier to cancel a flight than it is to schedule. So in the end, in aviation, I truly believe, you know, because this was the greatest lesson that I learned, I believe in aviation, you know, it's patience, patience, patience. That was the biggest lesson I learned. Uh, and I know my patience grew significantly through this process. And I mean, it was, it feels great. You know, being patient on things is like, wow, that's not too bad. Um, and when something happens now, I'm kind of like, oh, all right, well, I have to wait to fly tomorrow. No big deal. You know, you're not going to risk yourself. And it doesn't bother me as much as much as it would have probably when I first started out. I mean, I was chomping, chomping, chomping at the bit to get it done. And then I had to learn this thing called patience. I had to let it settle and, you know, it's going to take a little longer than usual. Then next, you know, after some felt, uh, self-reflection, I really wanted, you know, what, you know, to, to think about how things you know, how things were going, you know, after this process is done, what am I going to do? So you're probably, you know, thinking, you know, well, now that you're done, what are you doing next, Colin? Well, for now, I'm going to enjoy this achievement because this has been something I've wanted for a really, really long time. So I'm gonna let it settle in for a little longer. I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, I'm gonna fly with my wife. I'm gonna take her up. I'm gonna, you know, go have a good burger somewhere. Maybe some barbecue down in Stevenville. Um, but I'm gonna enjoy this uh, for a little bit longer, um, and then we'll go on to the next thing. And you know, next, my next, what's going next? After some self reflection, again. I really, you know, going, moving forward, I want to put a focus on helping more people achieve their dreams of flight, Uh, especially people younger than me or kids who may never have had the opportunity to experience the world of aviation. You know, it's folks in aviation like Bob Hoover, uh, Sean Tucker, uh, Harrison Ford, or other aviation juggernauts who are giving back to the aviation community by helping Forge, you know, this next younger generation of aviators, you know, they're trying to replace themselves, uh, in this wonderful industry. You know, they know they're going to pass at some point in their life and they're taking it upon themselves to replace themselves, to continue the legacies of people like Bob Hoover and to, can you continue their legacies? Um, so, you know, in order to forge this next generation of aviators, you know, for me personally, I've realized that I've lived a pretty privileged life and have only now taken the opportunity to start flying when I could have done this a long, long time ago. I truly believe it's going to be young folks like myself who are going to be the driving factor of recruiting future pilots into this industry. I do not believe that corporations, big corporations, uh, manufacturers, I it is my take that they're not gonna be the ones that are ultimately going to persuade the younger generation to get into aviation. It is going to be millennials like myself um, who are going to be the driving factor of recruiting our future pilots and future aviators in the industry. You know, so that's what I want to do. I, you know, I truly see the impact that somebody like Bob Hoover has had onto, uh, onto this industry. You know, he was a, uh, he was a circuit pilot within the airshow circuit, and he was, uh, he was one of the best pilots out there. You know, and then you got Sean Tucker. He he's amazing. You got Harrison Ford, who probably considers himself an aviator over being an actor. You know, and all that they have done. I want to do that too, you know, I want to have a serious impact on the next generation of aviators, I may not have the status of these big name players, nor the experience, not even close, uh, but as a young aviator, I know I can relate with the younger generation, and I hope to inspire other young kids to pursue, pursue their dreams Um of flight, whether that be just in STEM related fields, whether that actually be as a pilot, whether that be, you know, you, uh, you know, UAV type work, it doesn't matter. I want to help get more kids into the world of aviation, So everyone, that's all I have for today's episode. I seriously appreciate you tuning into today's podcast. You know, I'm excited that I'm finally done with this process. And throughout more episodes as we go on, we'll probably touch on things that I learned, um, the process of becoming a private pilot, what it takes, the nuances of it, things that you should know, um, things that you should watch out for. I'm really looking forward to getting this thing wrapped up. Um, So I'm excited to be getting the podcast throttle back up and excited to bring you all plenty of content to continue getting you jazzed up about the world of aviation from a millennial's eye remember you can follow me over on instagram at hodge h-o-d-g-e underscore c-h-e or you can follow me over on twitter at hodge h-o-d-g-e underscore C-H-E. Remember, AvGeeks Chronicles. This podcast is available over on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Google Play, Google Play Music, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and, uh, radio, I think. So be sure to check out our next episode, uh, out on your favorite podcast platform. So, from your chief, Av Geek, I say to you, blue skies and tailwinds, everyone. See you on the next episode of Av Geeks Chronicles. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into today's podcast. If you like what you heard or have any recommendations, I would seriously, seriously appreciate it if you went over to your favorite podcast platform, left a rating, a comment about today's episode. Your voice is ultimately what will continue to make Ab Geeks Chronicles a growing podcast. So, again, I appreciate you listening and look forward uh, to hearing your feedback on today's episode.